Well, good morning. My name's Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to just begin by talking about my experience with the Holy Spirit. You know, I grew up in a church that did Holy Spirit stuff. So from a really young age, I was experiencing the Holy Spirit, which is a blessing. And the majority of my experience with the Holy Spirit has been uh, a blessing. And being in a church that does this stuff has been a blessing. And from a really young age, I knew what it meant to experience him. Sometimes I would be in services and I would feel like a heat all over me. Other times I'd get like goosebumps all over. And sometimes I would just feel this weight that was so heavy on top of me. And I knew what that meant. I knew it meant that the Holy Spirit was there and that he was showing himself. I didn't always know why. I still don't always know why he does the things that he does other than I just my guess is that he wants us to know that he's here with us. So he does things that physically make us aware of it. You know, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit lots of times. And I don't say that to brag. I say that just to simply say that I think that Jesus wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit lots of times. That's his desire. It's not a one-shot, one-time-only sort of thing. It's over and over and over again. I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to us today. And sometimes that comes in normal, expected ways through a sermon or reading the Bible or a friend's encouragement or reading a Christian book. Sometimes it's something that you hear inside your head. You, you hear it in your heart, maybe a different way that you phrase it. Uh, sometimes it comes in unexpected ways. You're sitting there watching the British baking show and all of a sudden Jesus speaks dead center straight to you and you're wrecked by what it is that he's doing in you. It's happened. He speaks in all different types of ways and times. It's really great. At one point in my life, in my mid-20s, early to mid-20s, I was struggling with the humanity of this, with the reality that I'm not perfect and that how can I trust that what I'm saying to somebody else is from the Holy Spirit? How can I always have confidence in that? And I was working through this and I was talking about it with my spiritual director. And she was this wonderful 75-year-old woman uh, who shot straight and loved people. And if you were one of her, she loved you deeply. And we're having this conversation. And she looks at me at the end without really an agenda. She just wanted to, to say this because it was, it was truth. She said, you know, Stephen, when you were about 16, I went to your parents' church. And you probably don't remember this, and I didn't. But she said, you gave me a prophetic word. And I just want to tell you that it was 100% from Jesus. And I was wrecked. It hit me so deeply because here was somebody I respected a lot who said that something that I had heard from the Holy Spirit was dead on. That meant that he spoke truth to me. That meant that I heard his truth and that I could give it to somebody else, even knowing how faulty I am and my own issues. And that reality has stuck with me deeply ever since then. The Holy Spirit speaks, and I knew that he spoke to me. You know, over the past few months, we've all gotten lots of deliveries at home, right? Stay at home means home deliveries have reigned supreme. 
And this week, I needed that. Uh, on Monday, I realized that I did not have enough stuff for our kids to keep them occupied. Plans had changed, and I needed some stuff. So I ordered it on Monday. And by Tuesday at dinner time, thanks to Amazon Prime, we had the stuff. It was magic Amazon style. I was grateful for it. You know, you know I heard a terrible joke about Amazon. It was ruined on delivery. I, yesterday, I ordered a chicken and an egg on Amazon. I'll let you know which one gets here first. Seriously, though, uh, I believe in all of this stuff and God speaking and God healing and God moving and God changing us. But it only happens in the presence of God. It doesn't happen by delivery. Just a drop off and then a run. Here's what I mean by that. Mike Pilavachi wrote, God's power is not something he sends to us from a distance. Miracles are not like parcels from Amazon arriving totally disconnected from the sender. The power of God cannot be separated from his presence. The power is in the presence. The Holy Spirit is just simply not like Amazon. It's not a delivery service. It doesn't send a drone to drop it off on your front step. You don't, it doesn't come with a delivery guy who then shoots back out of your driveway at super fast speeds going the wrong way on a one-way street. The delivery from the Holy Spirit looks a lot different. Here's what it looks like. He brings it inside. He unpacks it. He sets it up. He starts to do stuff in your life. He makes himself at home. That's how the Holy Spirit moves. He doesn't do deliveries. You know, one month, maybe two, maybe three, I don't know. I'm starting to lose track of time over the past uh, six months probably. But my wife, Sarah, took our girls to go do a delivery, a birthday delivery. So they had balloons, they had signs, they sang. It was great. They went and did it for a friend from our church, one of the girls' friends from our church. And it was all fun and great until they started to leave. And then our six-year-old and their six-year-old both started to get teary, started to cry a little bit. Because you see, a five-minute drive-by delivery simply was not enough. It just was not enough for them. They wanted to hang out. They wanted to be in each other's space. They wanted to eat cake and play games and give gifts and do all the things that really come with celebrating. Doing a drive-by delivery at the end of the day when you really love someone just does not feel like enough. And the Holy Spirit doesn't do drive-by blessings. He doesn't do drop-off deliveries. He makes himself at home. He hangs out with us. Jesus exemplified this. He showed us what this looked like. He came and made himself one of us so that he didn't just bring us a gift and then peace out. He came and hung out with us. He became one of us. There's this story in Luke 19 about this man named Zacchaeus and Jesus. And Zacchaeus was, he was, he was wealthy, he was powerful, and he didn't have any friends. Not really any at all. But he heard Jesus was coming, and so he ran ahead of everybody else, and he climbed a tree so that he could see over the top of everybody else. And as he was watching Jesus come down the street, Jesus looked up, and he made eye contact with him. And he called out and he said, hey, Zach, get down here. I'm going to your house for lunch today. 
And so Zacchaeus shimmied down and he ran over and he dusted himself off and he looked at Jesus. He said, this way, sir. And he led him like a, a, a host at a restaurant to his house. And as they were walking, everybody else was upset. And they were grumbling and they were angry. And they said, why does Zacchaeus need Jesus to go to their to his house? He's got everything. He's wealthy. He's powerful. Why does he need Jesus to? Zacchaeus heard him. And on his front porch, he stopped and he turned around and he looked out at Jesus and everybody else. And he said, I hear you. He said, here's what I'm going to do. If I've cheated you, I'm going to pay it back. If I've stole from you, I'm going to give you four times what I stole from you. Anything that I've done wrong, I will repay to you in kind. He said, because Jesus knew my name. Jesus called me out and Jesus came to my house. Because of that, everything has changed. Jesus doesn't do drive-by blessings. He comes to our homes. He sets up camp. He unpacks and he changes everything. He invites us. Uh, he invites himself in. And the only thing that we can say is yes. Yes, come on in. Make yourself at home. Can I make you a sandwich? What can I get for you? Come on in and begin to change me. Now, Jesus isn't walking the earth anymore. We know that. I wish desperately that we could run and climb a tree and look out and see him coming. But we can't. But we do have the Holy Spirit here with us. One of Jesus' names is Emmanuel, and it means God with us. Us. It's one of his titles. And when he was getting ready to leave the earth, his disciples were upset. They said, but you're God with us. What are we going to have instead when you leave? And Jesus said, wait, wait, God isn't leaving you. He said, when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to be God with you here on earth. God's not leaving this place. He's here with you. It looks different. It feels different. But God is still with you. The Holy Spirit is now God with us. God with us, in us, speaking to us, moving in us, changing us. That's the Holy Spirit's job. John 14, 15 through 17 says this, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give another advocate or comforter or encourager or counselor who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him. Because he lives with you now and is in you. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, his name is the Holy Spirit and he comes in love. There's no one else like him. He's the voice of truth and the voice that my soul trusts. He's the advocate, the counselor, the, the comforter the encourager. He's the power of God and he is the truth of God. His job is to tell us, to remind us, to make us know who Jesus is. He's God's presence, God with 
us very literally right here and right now. That's who he is. And because that's who he is, the prayer that we need to pray, the cry of our heart, the deepest cry of our souls, the transforming statement of our souls needs to be this. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and be here with us. And in the vineyard, we pray this prayer a lot because for thousands of years, the church has been crying out and saying, come Holy Spirit, come and move in us, come and manifest among us, come and move in your power, in our space, in our churches, in our gatherings, in our communities, in our world, come Holy Spirit. It's a prayer that's been prayed since ancient times, since the times of Jesus in many variations and ways a welcoming prayer that sits at the beating heart of the church that Jesus came to make. And every generation has found ways to pray this prayer. In the 200s, a theologian named Hippolytus wrote an invocation of the Holy Spirit that says, and we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit. In the 800s, a Frankish monk, Rabinus Morris, wrote a song called Come Creator Spirit. And the prayer begins, Come Holy Spirit, Creator, come. In the 1200s, the prayer Come Holy Spirit became a common prayer in the Catholic Church. And this historic prayer begins with these powerful words, Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. And on Mother's Day in 1980, in a church in California pastored by a man named John Wimber, a church that would become the vineyard, somebody got up and said these words, come Holy Spirit. And that church was changed. It was turned upside down because this Holy Spirit came and he moved among them and everything was different. And friends, that's our legacy. That's our history. We are a part of the vineyard. We're a part of a movement that was changed, that it was radically defined by these three words. Come, Holy Spirit. That is a part of our DNA. Why do we pray it, though? What are we trying to say when we pray this prayer? Are we say, somehow saying that God is not already here, that the Holy Spirit isn't already here with us? No, not at all. But, I want to let a vineyard pastor named Jay Pathak explain to us why we pray this prayer. Let's watch this. Well, it is strange when we say, come Holy Spirit, because uh, we're saying it almost as though we're inviting God somewhere that he already isn't. Now, that's tricky for people, isn't it? They think, well, are we saying God's not here? Or like somehow a, a mist or a smoke comes into the room that wasn't there, but... Really what we're doing is saying, Lord, warm our affections to your presence and increase your presence in such a way that we experience you, that we're aware of you. Uh, I love the way Edwards would say it. He'd say, warm our affections to you. And uh, it seems to be a prayer that God answers. And honestly, I think we say, come Holy Spirit, because the scriptures seem to indicate somehow the Holy Spirit comes upon people or that the power of the Spirit is present. and So I'm not sure how to mix all that together, but it is something where, um, as Dallas Willard says, the Holy Spirit comes where he is wanted. Two things that I love that he says. Lord, warm our affections to your presence and increase your presence in such a way 
that we experience you. Good prayer. In that great Dallas Willard quote, the Holy Spirit comes where he is wanted. Are we saying that the Holy Spirit isn't here? No, not in the least. What we're actually saying is that we just want to be more aware of his presence, that we want our eyes to be open to what it is that he's doing. We're saying that we want more of him and that we want him to know that we want more of him. That is what we're saying when we pray this prayer. So now that we understand why we say it, what are we hoping for when we say it? Well, for that answer, I want to look to another vineyard leader, a woman named Eleanor Mumford. Listen to what she has to say. We're people of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters of the vineyard, come Holy Spirit is our favorite prayer. It's a wonderful prayer. We all know that it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit's not been there all along. We all know those disclaimers. But what it means is we say, come Holy Spirit, come and do whatever it is you will do. At the end of this evening, we will say, come Holy Spirit, come have mercy on the church. Come and heal her people. Come and lift them up from their afflictions. Come and raise them up from their depressions. Come and light us up again. Come and empower us to go out and to change the world as you designed that we should. We love his Holy Spirit. We love to experience his presence. And it is perfectly legitimate to ask him to come for more. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him, said Jesus, his very own son? I love what she says here. Holy Spirit, come and do whatever it is that you want to do. We love to experience your presence and it is perfectly legitimate to ask for more. Come and do whatever you want to do because you're good. That's what she's getting at. And she's echoing this story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 11, 11 through 13, where he says, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In a passage about giving good gifts, it shouldn't be overlooked that the gift that Jesus talks about is the Holy Spirit. In a passage about good gifts, the best gift that Jesus can mention is the Holy Spirit coming and being with us. In the vineyard, when we pray, come Holy Spirit, we are asking the Holy Spirit with our hands and our hearts completely opened to come, to manifest his presence, to do what he wants to do in our gatherings, in our communities, in our towns, in our churches, Come, Holy Spirit, and do what you want to do. Come in the fullest way possible. That's what we're saying. I think one of the scariest things about this prayer, though, if I'm being honest, is that it's a prayer that has nothing to do with my agenda. It's a prayer that releases my control completely. It's a prayer that says, come and do whatever you want to do. Even if it's not what I'm thinking that you're going to want to do, you still come. You still come and move. It's an opening up and a releasing of control. It's a scary thing because you never know where it's going to go. But I do believe in what Jesus was teaching us, that the Holy Spirit is the best gift that we could ever get, that he is good and that we can trust in his goodness, that we can release our, our control and ask for him to come and do what he wants to do.
Friends, as we come to an end, why do we pray, come Holy Spirit? We, we pray because we're asking him to come and to because we've, we've been asked to. We've been told to. We're praying because we're asking Him to come because God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has said that it's what we need to pray. We pray and ask Him to come because it changes us when He does things. We ask Him to come because we want more of Him. That's why we pray this prayer. There's an Anglican priest named David Watson no relation to me, uh, just fun coincidence. But he said this, it is only the Holy Spirit who can quench the deepest thirst of the human heart because it is only the Holy Spirit who can fill us with the love of God. When we've drunk this glorious living water, it will spoil our thirst for anything else. When we've drunk this glorious living water, it will spoil our thirst for anything else. Come, Holy Spirit, has been called by some the most essential prayer of the church. So together with all of God's church, we simply cry out and we say, come, Holy Spirit, come and do what you please. Come and speak to us. Come and move among us. Come and heal us. Come and make us aware of your presence. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to increase your presence here among us. We long to experience more of you. We want more. And so we say, come, Holy Spirit. We're going to worship now, and then I'm going to be back to pray with us. And I just want to encourage you in your homes, keep praying this prayer. Keep asking for more, and we'll see what he's up to this morning. Let's worship.